The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Inside the Huddle. We are going over the IU-Rutgers game. We're going to wrap it up, see what went wrong, and um, just give us a, a, your general thoughts on on what happened. Uh, is this a one-time thing? Is this, you know, does it go deeper uh, than the product on the field? We saw some some different articles out there from different people. Uh, we're going to bring in co-host TJ Inman. Nick Holmes should join us sometime. Uh, Nick, uh, TJ, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sammy. It is uh, times like this where I wish I was not obligated to be on the show and that I could skip this uh, skip this dismantling and this dissection of the uh, abomination that was that collapse. But we trudge on through the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, rain or shine, uh, we're here for Hoosier fans. Um, TJ, you know, we were both at the game. We were both sitting in the stands. Um, it was a gorgeous afternoon for football. Uh, it was a little chilly at the end, but, you, you know, at the middle of October, that was about as good as you could get for uh, an Indiana home game. You know, it, it was a game that IU, we both said, uh, and Nick said, this is a game that IU absolutely has to win. Um, yeah, and you know you, you can't put that out light uh, lightly because you know you can say that every week just to draw people in and and get views and hits and all that stuff. But this is a, a very winnable game. IU was clearly was up by 25, uh, and then it just looked like they took their their foot off the gas, lost focus, and and credit Rutgers. They made plays and got back in the game. Uh, but TJ, where do they go from here? Uh, well, they go to East Lansing, um, physically, mentally, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I hate it when, um, just in sports in general, they're, like you said, a a must win label gets placed on, you know, seemingly every game that's even remotely important. And then if the team that said person is rooting for wins, it's, oh, what a massive win, and if they end up losing, then that whole must-win thing is forgotten, and they kind of just move on. Um, you know, I, I'm going to do my best not to do that. We said it was a must-win, um, and it, you know, we did that not only because of the opponents and the uh, kind of the, the stakes that were placed on it due to you being 4-2 and two and already losing two in a row, but because we knew what was coming up in the schedule, you know, games against Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, uh, not in that order, but, um, you know, before you finish off the season with two road games. So we understood, and I think that most fans understood going into that game, you know, in order for you to get the bare minimum of what could be considered a success, which is six wins, and if they get there, I will still consider the season a success because that was – that's the bar that we set, so they would have met that bar. 
Um, but this was an opportunity to really set yourself up to hit that minimum by just winning one of those final two road games. But more importantly, get yourself to five and two and feel like much more was possible. And through the third quarter, it certainly looked like it. You know, they played another dominant third quarter, uh, had a run of 28 straight points, and really looked like they could do whatever they wanted on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, you know, made enough plays during that third quarter that the offense was able to together four drives that Rutgers didn't look like they had an answer for. Um, you know, a lot of positives to take on that side of the ball. We'll talk about those a little bit, but and then, you know, everything fell apart. Um, and I, I know that Kevin Wilson and, and some of the team has said, "Oh, you know, we we don't we don't deal with success very well." Well, you know, what success? I mean, it was it was the middle of the third quarter, the end of the third quarter. There there hadn't been success yet. You hadn't won the game yet. And even if you had, it's five and two. The job is still far from over uh, on the season. And I, I just, you know, I understand what they're saying when they say we have a hard time dealing with focus. But then on the other side, you hear about how mature this team is. Well, that doesn't really add up to me when you say you have a hard time dealing with success, but then it's an incredibly mature team. Well, which is it? You know, I, I'm not entirely sure how that jives. Uh, just, I know that there's a lot of frustration. I'm not, I definitely don't think it was a lack of effort. Um, I don't feel like players just quit trying. I don't feel that way at all. But we've talked a lot about dealing with a, a small margin for error, which is what IU has in the Big Ten. And when you, I guess it's take the foot off the gas, just that tiny bit, and I don't think it's physical, I think it's mental, that then translates to on-field mistakes, when you take that foot off the gas, really bad things happen at this level of college football. And so far, IU has been unable to get over those hurdles against similarly skilled teams. They were able to do it against Southern Illinois in a close game, Ford International in a close game, Western Kentucky in a close game, Wake, they held on, but we kind of... And that Wake Forest game is kind of a uh, harbinger for what has ended up coming uh, against Rutgers. You know, you had a lead that you weren't able to hold on to against Wake because their offense is a disaster. Rutgers was able to take advantage of it. So I, I think we've seen kind of that, the mental progression of, okay, they're able to hang on in close games by making a couple of plays here against Rutgers. They just weren't able to. They couldn't make those plays. Um, you know, we'll talk some about the positives that we can take from it, but overall, you ask where they go from here, uh, that's going to be a really, really tough thing, and, and it's it's going to be very impressive if they're able to come out and put together a really good game against Michigan State. You know, going on the road to a top-10 opponent going to be very difficult to, to win, but if they can come out, play with a lot of fire, play with a lot of competitiveness, and put together four solid quarters, which you know, we've yet to see. It's been a roller coaster really every game. So if they're able to put together four solid quarters, maybe that tells you they learned a little something 
from this, and it would maybe be a positive. But I, I don't think we'll have any clue about where they go mentally until they take the field. They're saying all the right things, but that's real easy to do. It's much harder to actually put those things into action. Yeah, you know, TJ, I I feel better today than I did on after the game Saturday and on Sunday um, uh, about the the mental makeup of this team, about the skill of this team, and, and just about uh, where they're going to go. Now, it, it 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 could be a disaster. This could be that breaking point to where they lose out and go four and eight, but there's still two winnable games, very winnable games on the schedule. Yes. They're on the road, but Maryland and Purdue are basically tire fires. Maryland just fired their coach. Purdue is looking at a staring at a one and 11 season in the eye. Um, Yes. And, you know, as, as much as this one stings and it does, and I've gotten a lot of text messages from fans who have been fans for, for 20 years or more saying, I, hey, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Um, and, and, look, I get it. I, I've been a fan, too. I, I've been following this team since 2002. I haven't seen the upside. I, I've been I've seen the heartbreakers. I've, I've lived through it. Um, so I get it, and it's very understandable. But it's it, if you – the goal is to get to six and six, and that's still on the table. And until that's off the table, you know, we'll see what happens. And it's it's very easy to to, to point at this moment as, well, this is. And, and I said it in my wrap up. This was as bad of a loss as there has been in a long time. Uh, it, it is equal to the to the loss at Wisconsin that that got uh, Coach Lynch uh, fired. Uh, even though he came back, you know he was one play away from six and six. And, and who knows if he goes six and six? If he goes six and six, you, you know it's hard to fire a coach who takes a team to a bowl game. So, you know you can yeah. circle circle the Rutgers game at, at that moment of, hey, this is a way. Hey, we we we're better than this. We, we need to to get things going in the right direction, um, and, and it, it points out things that are are fundamentally wrong with the program, the athletic department. Basically, like I said, the, the whole enterprise of Indiana football, you know, might be rotting from the inside out. You, it, you were there. It was perfect weather, and there were 30,000 people in the stands for homecoming and a game that they must win. Uh, I get that people have been burned in the past. I, I get that, you know, I, I've talked to students. There was no buzz around this game on Twitter. There was no buzz around this game on campus, really. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, how does IU fix that? I know that winning takes care of everything, but you're going to have to jumpstart this program somehow. And it's not by having Mario Kart races in, in the first quarter. It's not by taking a great tradition from basketball and moving it to football in the William Tell Overture and, and shooting off more fireworks. Uh, it's not shooting free t-shirts into the alumni section for, you know, the people who are donating thousands of dollars to where you should shoot them at the, the students who, uh, you know, might stick around for an extra 10 minutes for, for a chance at a t-shirt. You know, there, there is something, you know, wrong with the program, but if you get to six and six, that they're going to have a real decision on their hands and you can't fire a coach that, 
Hook Indiana to a bowl game. You you just can't. You'll never yeah. have any credibility ever again. Right. Yeah, I think the the coaching community is a pretty tight knit one. Those guys, uh, they definitely compete hard with each other, but they also have a lot in common. They understand what it takes to to win, but to even have the job of a, a college football coach, head coach, or otherwise. And you know they talk, and uh, I, I think it's pretty well known, um, kind of throughout the Midwest, if not nationally, uh, how hard the Indiana job is. I don't, I don't know about, you know, comparing it to other kind of mid to lower level Big Ten jobs, but it's one of the harder jobs in the conference. There's very little doubt about that, uh, and I think other coaches and other coaching candidates know that. So I always talk about if you choose, and this isn't just IU football, this is in general, um, and this is not some original thought by me, it's not unique, but you know, I think it's really important that if you choose to fire a coach or move on from a coach, you need to make sure that the guy you bring in is a clear upgrade. Um, so if you get rid of Kevin Wilson after he goes to a bowl game, like you said, it's going to be very difficult to attract somebody that is that clear upgrade because they're going to think, wow, he he got to the benchmark, right? He got to a bowl game. He was recruiting well by IU standards, and they let him go. So what does that tell me my chances of sticking around are if I'm that guy that you're offering the job to? So, yeah, I, I think that if he does manage to get to a bowl game, which I'm hopeful for, you know, I, I want to make it very clear. Uh, I am hoping that Kevin Wilson succeeds. Number one, I like his philosophy with football. Uh, I like that he's aggressive. I like that the offense is entertaining to watch. I know that, you know, the program is far from perfect and he is not a perfect head coach or even close to it, but I want to see him succeed and I, I hope that he's able to get to a bowl game. I would enjoy going to a bowl game for IU football, and I, I want to see that happen. I'm not one of those people that says, well, we need a new start, so I hope he fails and that they're forced to make a move. And I know that there are a lot of people that feel that way, uh, and I, I guess I understand that. I, I've heard a lot of that with IU basketball where they're hoping it gets to the point where they have to fire Tom Crean you know, I just don't understand that as a fan, how you can kind of hope for your program to fail. But I know a lot of people do feel that way. Um, just in in general, though, uh, like you said, the, those two road games that they have left, uh, plus, you know, three other games that while I would say at the very least IU is going to be uh, probably double-digit underdogs in all those games, unless something were to happen to, you know, C.J. Beathard at Iowa. Um, he's banged up, but if he were to be out for the year or Michigan loses a couple of key players or whatever, uh, you could see those become single-digit underdog games. But it's going to be unlikely that IU wins those, but not impossible to, to steal one somehow. Uh, but I think it's going to be important for the football team to not think about their previous failures on the road in the Big Ten um, and just focus on, okay, we need to beat Maryland. And then after you do that, 
okay, we need to beat Purdue. You just need to separate those, look at them as single entities, not worry about the bowl game stakes, not worry about the job for Kevin Wilson's stake, don't worry about any of that stuff, and just try to focus on winning a game against Maryland, winning a game against Purdue, and if you're able to do that, you can accomplish your goals. So I think that's going to be the, the key thing for this coaching staff is to get the players to understand, yes, Saturday was a really bad blown opportunity, study where the mistakes were made, do everything you can not to repeat them on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, the special teams miscue, do everything you can not to repeat those mistakes, study that, and then, you know, approach it as we have to move on. You have to you have to learn the lessons, but also put the, the frustration to bed and move on. And that, that's a really tough task, but it's what the coaches and the players have to do now. Yep. And uh, Nick Holmes is joining us now. Uh, Nick, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about what kind of went wrong. I'm taking the, <coughs> the foot off the gas a little bit. And, and a little bit about what's next. What were, what were your takeaways uh, from the game, and, and what what is the thinking going forward? Um, you know, first, some encouraging signs is is uh, penalties are something that I continue to harp on, and those were considerably better this week. Uh, Nate Sudfeld looked for three quarters as good as Nate Sudfeld has looked probably since his sophomore year. Um, so that was obviously encouraging to see. We got a new mm-hmm. got a new weapon in Mike Majette, so that was I'm sure you guys have talked about him some. We have not. No, we haven't. Go ahead. Expound on know, Mike Majette. I, I was thrilled to see him play. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot was, you know, I, I believe, you know, uh, when we brought him in, there was some uncertainty of where's, as to where he might land on um, offense or defense. Um, and I know he started out a little bit at wide receiver, and it looks like he's found a found a place in the backfield, which, you know, he's that uh, nice change of pace from what we have with uh, Jordan Howard and Divine Redding. He's 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 got a slender build, so he's able to you know find a hole on stretch plays and and get up the field pretty easily. So that was that was really encouraging to see. And I even I even asked Coach Wilson at the uh, post the uh, post press conference the other night about him and. And coach said that he'd look he'd look good in practice, but even he was surprised by how 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 quickly and easily that he uh, acclimated to that position in the game. But as far as what went wrong, it's like you said, uh, it was like they took their foot off the gas. And and the problem with playing so many young players um, along both sides of the ball is sometimes you lack that that killer instinct, that ability to just step on your opponent's throat. And I, and I said that. Um, up in the press box with some of the other people around, I said, they really just need to step on their throat. And every six, you know, next possession, it was just like, all right, you got to do something here. You really need to, you need, you need to get three or six or whatever it takes. You just need to make sure that you get some more momentum in it. It just quickly unraveled. Um, and it was just kind of like watching a, a car wreck in slow motion. You, you, you couldn't do anything about it. You wanted to, but um, things just got away and, and moving forward, uh, TJ, you're right. It, anything less than a double-digit uh, deficit as a as an underdog in these next three games will be will be surprising. You got Michigan State, who admittedly hasn't looked 
great the last three weeks, um, beating Purdue by seven, Rutgers by seven, winning on a fluke play against Michigan. I mean, they're not playing at their at their top level, but they're undefeated. And then you got a bye week following Iowa, who is currently undefeated. And then Michigan, yeah, they've got two losses, but there aren't too many teams in America with uh, with two losses as good as Michigan. So, like you said, it's just it's going to be looking at. Uh, I would like to see them win one of those three games, but if not, it's going to be taking the show on the road and winning two Big Ten conference games. And at this point, under Coach Wilson, they have one um, conference road win. So that'll be a, that'll be a test. Yeah, and you know it, it's it, it look it looks bleak right now, and this team has bounced back. It looked bleak before. And they bounce back nicely. But, you know, we'll see if this team comes out and lays an egg on Saturday. Maybe that buy-in isn't as good as everybody says it is. Maybe, you know, there there's people doubting. But I, I've heard, you know, talking to people today at, at Media Monday and, and texting some people who know players, it, it's – you know, I, I they're all in. They're they're angry, and and yeah, it might be coach speak, but you know, I, I expect a good effort on Saturday and a good game. If you you know, who knows? It, anything could happen. It, just take last Saturday for example. Indiana, you know, teams I think were 121 and 0 with a 25 point lead, and Indiana loses. Well, mm-hmm. Michigan was up by two with 10 seconds left and punting, and they lost. Uh, so anything can happen, and and that's the attitude uh, that they have to play with and, and come out with. Now I don't blame fans for jumping ship. It, it is what it is. They've been burned a lot, and and I understand. Uh, but you know that's a, a whole other deal and another part. But there are things from this Rutgers game that 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 the offense looked great uh, at times for the first three quarters. Uh, you're right, uh, both of you guys. Um, Mike Majette looked great. Uh, he's a nice – he gives you a dynamic that, that Howard and Redding don't give you. Uh, and, and they kind of they, – they really miss Howard. I thought that if Sudfeld played, they, they'd, um, they'd be okay. But they did miss Howard's bruising style of running and, and really could not um, kill that clock late, late in the game. Whereas, you know, they became one-dimensional. And usually when we say they become one-dimensional – they don't go for 400 and something yards, 464 yards passing, uh, but that's what happened. And when you become one-dimensional passing, it stops the clock and length, lengthens the game. We all we all know we were there for four and a half hours, so uh, we <laughs> yeah. know how that works. Yeah, um, yeah I think so for going me, for, for me, I think yeah, I think they do miss Howard. You're absolutely right. And people say, well, and understandably, well, the offense wasn't the problem. And I, I totally agree with that. The offense did more than enough to win. But but if they had Jordan Howard, which you know, he did warm up, um, it was pretty clear he was not going to play based on uh, some of the ways they were lining up pregame uh, with Sudfeld and Divine Redding taking kind of those mock play snaps. Um, but Howard did do more this week than he did the previous week. It's possible he goes against Michigan State. Um, I would say that it's very likely that when IU comes back from their bye week, that Jordan Howard will be back. If not, then there's something much more serious going on than just the ankle. But uh, I think where they, where they absolutely did miss him, 
was on those end of game or the uh, you know end of game situation plus the third and short. Uh, Indiana really really bad on third downs for the second week in a row, and so mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you guys if Jordan Howard continues to be absent, uh, what would you like to see happen on those third and shorts? Because right now um, it, it's just not working. There were multiple times IU attempted to hand it off to Devine Redding on third and one or third and two or even fourth and one, uh, go up the middle, and he was getting hit as soon as he touched the ball. I'm not blaming Devine Redding for, for that at all. I think he played pretty well on Saturday. Um, he, he just didn't really have a chance on most of those short yardage failures. So uh, what would you guys like to see happen on third and shorts uh, yeah, if I mean, Jordan Howard is still not out there? I mean, I know this isn't part of their base package at all. Um, I know they don't run with Sudfeld under center very often, but when you're six foot six, six foot seven, lining him up under center, a sneak, even, you know, a little double double running back action. Bring put one of the tight ends, maybe Corsaro, um, or Cooper, line him up as a fullback and let him lead for for Divine or whoever else you got. Um Alex Rodriguez is obviously your your biggest body back left um on the roster. But yeah, I I think uh you know the pistol when you're trying to gain one or two yards, you're already lining up three to four yards behind a line of scrimmage. It, it it takes a lot more, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind to see a little bit under under center. I know that's like I said, that's not typical for them, but it seems like it would, from at least from my perspective, it'd make things a lot easier. Yeah, um, that was one of the big questions they asked to today's press conference. Uh, was hey, why don't you just sneak it with your six foot five quarterback? And Will said, you know. Sudfeld's ankle wasn't 100%, and that, you know, in order to push off of that left foot, you have to have some strength there. Uh, and maybe he didn't have that. But, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, maybe put Darius Latham back there again uh, and go goal line situations uh, on those, those third and ones and fourth and ones. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, we've seen him back there before against Wake Forest, and, and maybe that'll help. Um and maybe even give him the ball uh, if he could handle it. But it, it, it's definitely concerning that they can't pick up these these third and ones uh, or third and shorts and, and fourth and shorts. Uh, Wilson also alluded to some, you know, maybe even throw the ball. Um, roll Sudfeld out and, and throw the ball if you're not comfortable uh, running him Shit. with him. But, I, I mean, hey, look, the, the Patriots and the Colts both did it last night. Now I'm not saying they should run a fake punt that looks like the annexation of Puerto Rico, but, you know, you know, do something, make it, you know, if you run it a couple of, they've shown on tape that they run it every time on, on these plays, do a play action pass yep. and roll a tight end short for two yards. Uh, do something like that. So there are different things to go around. Uh, you know, health was definitely a factor in that, you know, they've snuck Sudfeld before uh, for touchdowns. Um, I think it's, just that he didn't have the quite the push that they needed to get up there. He also mentioned some blocking things. You know, you need to get a gap, and, and there's been some some blocking problems, which is leads me to my next concern is this offensive line. Um, Andy Graham uh, was speaking to me today about how maybe the offensive line, you know, they were busting plays, 
you know, for, for big yardage in the run game, and then all of a sudden it stopped. And they didn't change the plays. You know, it wasn't, you know, because of a bad play call. It was, you know, what happened to the – this offensive line was supposed to be the strength of the, this team. And it, and it's got two very good players in, in Jason Spriggs and Dan Feeney, but they haven't shown it in these late-game situations. He had pressure on Sudfeld on some of those throws that went for interceptions. And you couldn't get a, you know, you couldn't get the run game going in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, we've, we've, you know, I think that those are all good points. The one time they did get creative uh, down near the goal line, they were able to, uh, which they did a nice job with with red zone efficiency this game. Uh, but you know, the one time they got creative on a short yardage situation down near the goal line, Sudfeld could have, you know, walked ten yards before anybody touched him, and he. Just able to just kind of jog into the end zone. So, I, yeah, I, I think whatever they need to do, I, I really hope we don't. Unless Howard is back to 100% by next week, which I feel better about third and one if it's handed off to him. But unless he's back, um, I, I really hope we don't see more, you know, halfback dives to Divine Redding on third and one next week because. Uh, pretty proven track record these past two weeks that that doesn't work and if you continue to do it you're asking to to punt which doesn't go very well um but you know we've gone a whole podcast without talking about the defense which is why they lost on saturday um more than anything else i just the defense was completely and totally incapable of even slowing records down in that fourth quarter it was maddening to see it slipping away and knowing every time Rutgers got out there, it just felt like there's there's no way that, that they're going to get a stop. That Rutgers just got into a rhythm, and IU's defense was unable to provide any pass rush. They were unable to create any negative plays to get Rutgers off schedule. Uh, you know, they had, they had their moments, especially in the third quarter, um, where they, they played pretty well. Uh, Marcus Oliver continues to have a real strong season. He's been a real standout on the defense. But overall, it was just a really bad day. It was a big step back to the defense. Hopefully they can uh, they can right the ship against Connor Cook and the Spartans. We'll preview that on Wednesday. But, you know, we defense, and there are still definitely things they can clean up and improve. But they scored 52. That should have been more than enough to, to, to get the win against pretty much anybody. And... Uh, the defense's inability to, to get Rutgers off the field in the fourth quarter is, is why we're not having a show about IU being five and two and talking about bowl games they could go to. So hopefully that uh, they they are able to rebound and take a step forward this Saturday. Like you said, Sammy, I expect them to play with a lot of fire. If we see a really poor effort on Saturday, which will be the first time all season, you know, let's make it clear they haven't been blown out yet this year. Um, the Penn State game was frustrating, but it wasn't a total blowout. Uh, but if we see them just really get manhandled on Saturday, I think it's a pretty clear indication of where the where the mental rebound and the mental state of this team is. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. And unfortunately, we are out of time. I've scheduled this show for 45 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the defense, it's self-explanatory. They didn't make enough plays to win the game. Uh, they, they played decently up until the third quarter. I think they only, you know, IU stopped them on seven of 11 drives. You know, they blocked a couple extra points. 
Uh, but then they rattled off eight, um, seven or eight third down conversions in a row, and, and it just, you know, it, it just looked like a total team collapse. It's, you can't blame it on yep. on the offense or the defense or the special teams. This was a a team loss, and you know, it, it's we'll see how they bounce back, and and hopefully they do. Uh, you know, it, it's much more fun uh, to do these things when they win, uh, but. We'll see. Uh, TJ, Nick, thanks, guys, uh, for taking time out of your evening uh, to to uh, to talk with us and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Stay with it, Hoosier fans. I know it's I know it's really frustrating. It's really hard, but uh, stick with it. And when IU does break through, it's going to be glorious. Yeah, and that, that's going to do it for our wrap-up show uh, for – Rutgers will be back uh, previewing the Brass Platoon game against Michigan State. Indiana hasn't claimed the Brass Platoon since 2006. They haven't uh, been victorious in East Lansing since 2001. Uh, But it is a trophy game. It's probably the best medicine IU needs to wash this bad feeling out of their mouth. Uh, It's something to refocus on, uh, something to to rally around, and and we'll see how they do. Uh, Thanks for joining us as always and continue reading HoosierHuddle.com. We thank you for your support. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? 
Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> 